Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political podcast. I'm Jennifer Coron. And I am Drew Gilbert. We're going to start off today with uh, just hitting the high points on some of the, the headlines that happened. And I want to start with an update on um, Andrew Yang. He of the Democratic primary uh, couldn't get any coverage on MSNBC. Um, just billionaire. Smart. Right. Uh, the, his one misstep in campaigning, I think you and I talked about this before, is he, you know he didn't wear the tie, but then mm-hmm. he loved talking about not wearing the tie. Yeah. I felt like that shtick only worked if you were just doing it and you weren't talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, right. But like he's a nerd, so he had to talk about the cool thing that he was mm-hmm. doing. So. Before we move on to what he's doing yeah. now, I did see it. that uh, you know he said for a long time that on MSNBC or on the debates and things like that, there would be the little graphics and he would be left off, you know, yeah. and he yeah. wasn't being asked for interviews. Yeah. So now, producer of uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's MSNBC show has actually confirmed for him that they had a list of people who were both allowed and not allowed to come on his Ooh. show. Yang was on the never going to have him on the list. There was no real explanation as to why certain people made the list and certain people were left off the list. Uh, I believe Kristen Gillibrand also uh, was on the list. It's almost as if these news networks are built for entertainment and ratings to sell advertising. It's a thought. Hmm. That's a thought. Uh, so, yes, he got, he got vindicated there just a couple of months ago that a producer basically confirmed for him, yeah, you're right, we were totally ignoring well, you on purpose. and before you go into your, your current Andrew Yang story, I think there's a future with him. I think there's potential that he, he serves in some capacity, official or otherwise, mm-hmm. for, for President-elect Biden. Um, I also think that he's not done running for things. No, absolutely um, not. And he's a, he's a smart guy. And at some point, his ideas might gain traction. If you mm-hmm. just look from the 2016 election to the 2020, how much of the Democratic platform is shaped by the things Bernie Sanders said in mm-hmm. 16? The establishment Democrats were, like, laughing and mocking Bernie in 16, and now they're literally spewing his rhetoric right. at you. So Yang will have that impact, especially as it relates to technology. This universal basic income has some which is some not ideas. a which is not a do idea to him. Um, right. The person who proposed it back in the sixties, uh, one of his children is going to come up in this story. So let me Give set me the, the scene. Story. Let me set the scene. You live in Georgia. In a nice Almost. little neighborhood, someone comes knocking on your door. Is it Andrew Yang? Um, you open the door, and it is. It's, it's Andrew, Andrew Yang. Yang. He's asking you, um, do you know about the runoff? Do you need some literature? And, oh, by the way, I have here with me Martin Luther King III. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing that's happening down He's in Georgia. Masks, take it. He's he was up, he was over. masked up. So he and his uh, wife. I don't. Do they have children? He mentioned he and his wife specifically in the tweet. I thought I heard him talk about kids in the debate. They so moved yeah, to so. Georgia. They moved to Georgia to uh huh to volunteer. Um, he is listed as a co-founder on this uh, this organization, WinBothSeats.org. Yeah. Specifically, they're reaching out to uh, people of color, influencers. So Miss Stacy Abrams is one of the uh, on the leadership team of yeah. this uh, of this group, and he. Uh, Martin Luther King III, the editor-in-chief of Essence, uh, Susan Taylor, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, NBA player, um, I'm going to get his name right, Matumbo, Dikembe, Dikembe Matumbo. Matumbo. He's, He's the, <laughs> right. the shot, wag yes. the finger. You've listen to a good, listen to right? a good podcast uh, with him and Axelrod one time. Okay. So they're all co-founders, and there's others, but those are the names that I really man. recognize. All right, so, you- so this is the group, winbothseats.org. They're down there campaigning for uh, John Ossoff and you buried, Raphael You buried Warnock. the lead here. 
here, you mm-hmm. media mogul. Um, you started with, uh, I've answered my door at my rural home in Georgia and mm-hmm. Andrew Yang standing there. And mm-hmm. then you just have slowly gotten to the fact that Dikembe Mutombo's mm-hmm. hanging out. Well, I have not seen video of him necessarily okay. like okay. knocking door to door. Just officially, if you basically see that, the, the co-founders, yes, the co-founders are using their sphere of influence. Yeah. So I don't know that they're all on the ground. Andrew Yang, though, committed himself to being on the ground. Um, so he's going okay. door to door. He's doing all the things that you know. He some, and his wife just moved some there. scrub. They Georgia. they moved there. Um, he even alluded to the fact that I mean. He may or may not consider relocating there permanently, but for right now, I mean, he's absolutely fine just well, hanging can, out in Georgia for a month can, or two. I mean, you're connected to literally the the, the globe if you're in mm-hmm. Atlanta. It's it's the mm-hmm. it's the busiest airport in the world. Right. You can literally get anywhere easier than anywhere else mm-hmm. from Atlanta. So it's so not you're not they, disconnected there. If they treat him nice in Georgia, he yeah, may get he may stay. Now, obviously, WimboSeats.org. Yang runs for governor of Georgia. Uh huh. There you go. That's what's going to happen next. Uh, so they obviously, again, he's everywhere doing interviews about how it's important that you win both seats. Both seats have to go into the Democratic right. column. That's right. what this is all about. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah. trying to generate the voter enthusiasm because people are weary there. They're tired of getting the text. They're tired of all the things. Oh, so God, it, yeah, they're worn out. You know, you throw around a little Yang uh, I mean, if you're, if you're putting Yang, money on this thing right now in Vegas— Whoever wins is winning both seats, right? I would there, think so. There's not a scenario I would think where so. I'm like, man, I really want John Ossoff, but I really love Kelly Loeffler, too. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's no scenario yeah. where you're going to – or the other way, like, uh, mm-hmm. let's get Raphael Warnock. This is this is good. But also, this Purdue guy, he mm-hmm. brings up some good points when he's never talking to mm-hmm. us. I, no. There's no way you're splitting the right. – no. Yeah. Uh, you just have to get that enthusiasm gonna, going in the right direction. You're either going to win both or lose both. So, speaking of other people who've been in Georgia recently. Talk to me. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> he, he took his COVID on tour. Um, <laughs> so, he's been making appearances. He was in Michigan, I believe it was. He did the, the hearings up there. There was a hearing mm-hmm. for a lady who said she had seen some mm-hmm. you know, ballot irregularities. Mm-hmm. He asked her if she wanted to take her mask off she didn't it turns out um so he was up there and then he took a little trip down south to georgia and was hanging out at the capitol can we keep rudy in in michigan for just a minute because um the adolescent young man here has to point out uh he seemed to audibly flatulent a few times (laughs) in the hearings uh that got some play Mm -hmm. in the media and on saturday night live by the way yeah I will, I will ask that he be, he be disciplined for that. First of all, the answer that I gave you is they didn't bother to interview a single witness, just like you. Um, that's all I got. Move yeah, on. Uh, yeah. Giuliani. Sound farted. effects, yeah. yeah. He farted at the hearing. Uh, and then he went down to Georgia and was hanging out with, uh, you know, some of the, the senators down there. There were some committee uh, mm-hmm. things all about the election again mm-hmm. and vote tallying and stuff like that. Uh, spent a good bit of time down there. And then no mask. The media was very clear that every time they saw him yeah. in hearing rooms or interacting one-on-one, he was not wearing a mask. Well, you're going to stick to your brand. A couple of days later... He tests positive for COVID. And he would be in a higher-risk category with age. I don't know that he's got any underlying health issues. I haven't really researched that. that. But certainly just with age, he's going to put himself in a risky category. And 
was carrying it, uh, we're sure, the entire time that oh, he was certainly. meeting with all of yeah. these people. Yeah. So, which is exactly how viruses spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's also going on in Georgia. Remember when he was like an American hero in 2001 and was like this uh, level-headed mayor of New York that made the country feel better? Where'd yeah, that guy go? I don't know. I've uh, listened to some things and watched some things. So pre-9-11, he was considered pretty sketchy. Yeah, he was always kind of a shyster. And then I've there was well. 9-11. he projected not being a shyster mm-hmm. at 9-11. Right, then there was 9-11, and he was America's mayor. Yeah. And then that time passed, and he has gone back to being considered uh, more than a little shady. I think... Yeah, hardcore back yeah. that. Like, he went past his original landing spot. Because mm-hmm. there was a time, did he, he was an attorney. Did he do, like, Southern District of New York or something? He did one of those prominent, so. prominent attorney roles where they really prosecute criminals, and he mm-hmm. did a lot of that. So there was substance to his career. He just had a reputation for kind of being right. on, the, on the edge of things, the gray And also, area. personal life, not so good. <laughs> I always remember the story about one of his wives found out he was divorcing her, leaving her, divorcing her from a press conference. She cut on the TV oh, and he was holding out. a press conference and that's where he announced that his marriage was over. Good for um, you, Rudy. So we're that kind of sketchy. Right? Hey, also, we're just all kinds of sketchy. While we're, while we're bashing, uh, apparently, um, Mr. Giuliani, if you got some time, uh, just Google Rudy Giuliani's shoes and just look at the shoes he wears to these press conferences. They don't really go with a suit. They're mm-hmm. like... I don't know. They're like comfy sketchers uh, that you right. put put around the Florida retirement community in. Right. And uh, this dude's like, you know, representing the president of the United States at hearings. Getting paid, I was sort of say, Ellen DeGeneres like has gotten away with wearing tennis shoes with like suits for years. So she gets to make her own rules, though. Ellen yeah. has invented her own category of Ellen. Yeah. So you don't hold her to any other standard. Right. But a, a twenty thousand dollar a day attorney representing the president of the United States, we have an appearance, right? We've mm-hmm. got you know the nice shined shoes right. and the and the pressed suit that's fitting your body, and he he just doesn't fit that. Right. But you're talking to a person who has well, huge like Christmas light bulbs as a necklace around her neck right now. So I don't know that true. you really want to get too deep this into the fashion true. conversation. You're, well, you're not representing the uh, president of the United States. No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, even the president of this office am I not represented, so <laughs> no, I am not. Speaking of presidents, that's a nice segue. Did you see this? So we have three former presidents who have said they would this. get the vaccine because so, there's so much concern about the vaccine. I read the story, and it actually looks like they were kind of doing it independently of one another. They absolutely and were. And all of their communications teams were like, hey, you're mm-hmm. all saying the same thing. Let's let's uh, lump you all together. Actually, let's give credit where it was due. The first earliest incarnation of it I saw, George Bush had reached out to... Uh, Fauci and some of the health yeah. team and said like he wanted to volunteer himself as soon as it was both available for him. He didn't want right. to cut line yeah. and you know that it was safe to do so. I he would do it. And then I think maybe the media kind of got in on this because once they you have Bush it. coming out, then you're like, okay, so yeah. Bush has said, yeah. and then what um, are you going to do? Sit on sidelines, Obama and Bill. Right. Yeah. So then you have their independent, offices uh, and some headlines have even gotten it a little distorted and said they've agreed to do it on a TV show so it's almost like it's a network thing Um, now Obama is interesting because uh, listen to an interesting interview that Katie Couric did with the CEO of Moderna who Mm -hmm. is the little upstart Mm -hmm. company that's um, their vaccine was like 95% Mm -hmm. effective Mm -hmm. not one of the big guys 
Um, so they specifically mentioned that when they were first doing the trials and everything, the volunteers they got, people of color were not represented well yeah. at all. They actually had to pause yep. that process, go back in. I think that's where the So that's, that's what an Obama, Obama situation brings to the table is there's some, um, uh, well, a lot of uh uh, fear and mistrust mm-hmm. there regarding, um, you know, things like Tuskegee that that's going to get thrown around whenever you mention Correct. people of color, medical, Correct. government, Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, specifically him being willing to say that he would do some something publicly is important as just a sign for people of color. The previous, okay. the previous three presidents representing two different parties, and mm-hmm. I would have to imagine if H.W. Uh, was alive, he'd be saying the same mm-hmm. things. So you would probably have all And Jimmy Carter them. has come out uh, very strong, of course, in support of the right. health organizations and the vaccine. So it, is, they haven't released an official statement, you know, that 90-something-year-old Jimmy Carter would do his on camera. But, right, um, right, right. you know, but he obviously should be thrown in with the vaccine supporter crowd. If I'm Jimmy Carter, I'm not leaving my house right mm-hmm. now. I'm being 90. Right. Um, I'm going to hang out. Uh, but something that, that uh, an underlying point from all this um, that you can do a little research on, George W. Bush was absolutely obsessed with pandemic response. So before um, you hear you hear the narrative now, mm-hmm. the Obama transition team had created a yes. Hey, this is what we do if we have a global pandemic. In fact, within their manual, they had predicted that it would be. Um, a coronavirus, that it would come from Asia, Mm -hmm. and they thought it would come through one of the major um, Chicago, New York, San Francisco, or something, one of the major ports Mm -hmm. that has people, and actually ended up more looks like Seattle, Southwest. They had really nailed what they thought it would be, how they thought it would get here, and how they thought it would spread. And they literally handed this book off to the Trump team, and then who the hell knows where the book ended up. Doesn't but exist anymore. Obviously, in this hyper political environment, you you know, if Obama's not your guy, you hear he had a book, you just think his book sucks, mm-hmm. right? And you think Trump did the right thing. Or if it's the other way around, you think that that Obama team had the greatest book in the world, and Trump lit it on fire. You know, like that's how we think. Well, let's go back to stay out of the hyper uh, political. Um, George W. Bush's team had started this pandemic response work and handed it off to Barack Obama. I'm trying to remember, did he, did any of those crises, the Ebola and stuff was Obama? Obama, So yeah. what, what precipitated George W. Bush? I've never gone down the rabbit hole, but there are uh, people from his previous uh, George W. Bush mm-hmm. administration people. They said he, get towards the end, got obsessed with this. Apparently, I believe it. Apparently, he seems like an obsessive person. Well, you know, Contra- contrary to his public personality, he seems like someone. He's also quite a skilled politician, by the uh-huh. way. He got he got daily briefings on stuff that you or I are never going to know mm-hmm. about. Most of the people in his administration never knew about, so you never know what he was hearing. Right? What what's happening? He knew it would come. What almost happened in in China in 1999, mm-hmm. and they caught it. Like we don't know those things. He does because right. he got those briefings, and it made him understand the crippling effects as we've seen in 2020 that it could have on our economy and our way of life and so he became obsessed with it he passed that torch to Mm -hmm. uh, president obama and apparently really beat it home and so then president obama built it out even more in in his administration and then now i guess we just deny Mm -hmm. them that they exist i don't know i don't know what we're doing now yeah um, but yeah, so uh, Bush was absolutely obsessed with Well, and on uh, the personal level, response. and we haven't uh, reported on this, followed up with them, but uh, so years ago, years ago, um, the EMA office, I was invited to come out and take some pictures of a simulation they were running. Okay. And it was actually a simulation, um, it happened at the hospital, for distributing vaccines. And I don't remember... Um, 
I assume the simulation was very similar to what it's going to be, though. Right. Because people were lined up to get this vaccine. How do you handle it? You know, it wasn't at your doctor's office. And, you know, it was, yes, it was all of that. Um, So it was very interesting. I think back on that now. And at the time, I thought, okay, they run, you know, they run simulations about, you know, what if the dam burst? And, like, they run simulations that, you know, just what if. And that one is going to come to pass, as I'm sure several of their frightening scenarios are going to come to pass. uh, I'm going to need you to watch Parks and Recreation. Um, I'm going to demand that of our relationship because, A, I think you would absolutely love the character of Leslie Nope as she progresses. But Is they, that... Um, that's uh, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Uh, but they do a pandemic response type thing, <laughs> and it's with the local EMA, and it's an absolute garbage show. And so as soon as you said this, mm-hmm. I'm picturing faces that I know here mm-hmm. locally in the right. room just like in this comical format. Right. Uh, please watch Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Um, there used to be, uh, was there video at the time? So just funny aside, Regina, the EMA director, her role in the thing was to basically become a person in line who got very agitated. And okay. so she starts talking crazy. She starts flailing her arms. At one point, she's a, I think at one point she actually gets up on the table. How realistic. Like she has to be restrained. How realistic is that? Yes. Like if we have the- right. And so that was the whole deal. Like what do you do when someone, when someone goes rogue? So a uh, quick aside here, uh, New York Times does have a, um, uh, a place on their website where you can actually find out when the vaccine becomes available, mm-hmm. how many people you'll be standing in line behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it myself. Turns out I'm behind like 23 million people in the United States. Okay. 347,000 in Alabama. I have to imagine I'm somewhere in the um, line near you. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, well, if you want to know, and it's actually, so there's a whole line and it basically tells you, so these are first responders and then you go down, you know, the webpage and there's right. like a, yeah. like so many, and then like, this is like nursing home worker, yep. you know? Yep. And so then there you are. And then there's that little blurred out version. It says, this is you. So you can yeah. see literally how far back <laughs> in the line you are. It's amazing. You're young enough and healthy enough. We're going to put you at the back of the line. Right. Um, it's, it's. It's positive news on this front between Pfizer and Moderna. They're talking about uh, the first wave, like in January, hopefully. Mm-hmm. they would. Have FDA is supposed to meet this week on one of them and like next week on the other one. But they're saying they would have 40 million doses immediately available. Mm-hmm. Both of them are two doses, um, which mm-hmm. means it's 20 million people because right. they're going to need two doses. However, moving forward upon approval, um, they're saying they can produce 70 million a month between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with 40 million, and now right. all of a sudden you're getting 70 million. So you're talking... Every month, they're going to make enough to treat 35 million Americans. So, I mean, simple math mm-hmm. would say about 10 months, and they would have enough vaccine mm-hmm. for everyone. You're also going to have people that choose not to take it. Yes. Uh, you're going to have people that elect not to trust it, believe in it, mm-hmm. understand the value of well, it. Well, and there will be several vaccines. This, again, came true. up in yep. in the thing. So you don't necessarily know which vaccine right. you'll be getting um, because, as you mentioned, they both work. Moderna's vaccine works very differently from mm-hmm. the other vaccine, mm-hmm. and it's not clear that you'll be given the choice of. Um, but on that front, shout out to Dolly. Shout out to Dolly for giving Park. money to Vanderbilt, which then gets funneled Dolly to the Moderna. Uh, it was, I believe it's specifically the Moderna the, vaccine. The princess of the world so, gave a million bucks to COVID research, to Vanderbilt, went to Moderna. Never missed it. Literally developed this 95% effective. And, of mm-hmm. course, she didn't miss it. And all the while, she's singing us beautiful Christmas songs on mm-hmm. uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Yep. She was singing from Nashville. Uh, 
she just she is so lovely. She's I that just bright spot. Hang out with her. Bright spot of twenty twenty. Also, in the hyper political world, Dolly attracts like every side. Mm-hmm. She is everyone's princess, mm-hmm. and I'm like, can't, I, why can't a politician figure out how and she's very, doing this? Very strategically, so uh, Dolly yeah. will not. Oh God, yeah. Dolly will not be for. Yes, Dolly will not be forced to come out against any group. But here's where here's no where she's so be. effective in my mind. She's not going to play the rhetoric game with you. Mm-hmm. She's not a politician. She doesn't have to answer your questions on abortions and gun control and gay rights. She doesn't have to. Right. Her actions in life speak to mm-hmm. what she believes in. Right. She believes in helping the poor. She believes in reading for the children of Tennessee. She believes in equal rights for everyone mm-hmm. to enjoy their life. She believes in all these things, and she shows it in her actions. She ain't got to talk to you. She ain't mm-hmm. got to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. She's living this life that literally betters everyone every chance she gets. Yep. And uh, we should all strive to be like Dolly. Yes. An amazing human being, Dolly is. God, she is. Uh, so I think that's it for our headlines for the week. We we're, did it. We're going to move on into our next segment that I, will eventually become, uh, we'll have a guest here to play a little game with us. But right now. Do I play the game? Um, no, I didn't turn this into a game format, okay, although good. we can certainly try. I was nervous. Uh, the Electoral to. College. So this yeah, is going uh, to be our, our civics lesson uh, because we could all use a little refresher based on um Let's just call it social media posts that I see on the daily. Mm-hmm. Um, people really misunderstand very much about about our government system. I think you be could it, have stopped that sentence. Local at, or you could have national. stopped that sentence. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fix it for you and put the period in the right spot. On social media, people really just don't understand. Period. You can mm-hmm. put the period there. You don't have to put the topic after right. it. Uh, it is not built for factual information. It's built for people's opinions to perpetuate and appear to be facts. Right. So um, that's what you get there. Mm-hmm. And that's why Drew doesn't read that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so here we are, civics lesson on the Electoral College. Uh, it's coming up, actually. The Electoral yeah. College the uh, will officially meet. It is the 14th, I 14th. believe, when everybody gets together. That's a week from today. So here's how that process works. So November 3rd. Uh, the states appointed their electors. Right. So we don't actually get to vote on those people. We get to vote on delegates to the convention. Correct. But we don't actually vote on the electors. That's it's right. the party that decides who our nine electors are going to be. Correct. Um, Is so, Mo Brooks one of ours? Uh, I don't believe he's one of the electors, no. Skipped ahead but he's going to he's gonna come back in a second. Okay. Uh, although in 2016, Tim Wadsworth was one of our electors in the 2016 election. He was very proud of this fact. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a delegate as well, separate. Separate deal. One time he had a, a, a pretty excited conversation with me about being both of mm-hmm. those things, and uh, mm-hmm. I just couldn't share his right. excitement. So these are real people that exist in the world. Yep. Um, and then December 8th, uh, so that's tomorrow or the day this podcast comes out, is something called the Safe Harbor Deadline. Hmm. So basically if you're a state and if you certify your elections by, I think it's six days before the day the Electoral College meets, then basically you're immune from future like lawsuits and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. you can just say you're done. Um, so they're considered safe from lawsuits if certified by this by this deadline. Um Oh, back on the electors thing. So the question of during the Electoral College, these electors are bound in Alabama and in also, I believe, 28 other states to vote the way their state voted. Mm -hmm. So not in every state is that part of state law, but you cannot 
attend, go to the Electoral College and say, vote for Trump or vice versa, vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016, no matter what your personal feelings are, which, of course, you're you're appointed by the party. So one can assume you line up with the party. But still, there is an actual law that says you have you have to vote the way your state voted in Alabama. So let's not gloss over that. That Mm -hmm. means there's 22 others. Mm -hmm. I think that officially is called faithless electors. I'm going off script right here, but I believe that's what that's called when when you're an elector who votes differently from how uh, Let's angle off the jargon and talk about American democracy for a second. In 22 states, the state can decide who they want to be president, and then the electors can say, eh. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know I want it. Right. You can use vo- a vote of conscience or however you want yeah, to feel not about okay. that. Okay. That's mm-hmm. not okay, America. I don't know if yep. you feel the same way as me. Mm-hmm. So, so Alabama is one of the Alabama's one of them. Got that off the Secretary of State's website. Good stuff. Thanks, John Now, Merrill. December 14th is the date that the uh, electors actually come together and, and they vote and all of that. Okay. And then we move forward to January 6th. Do they still ride horse-drawn carriages to do the voting? I don't think so. I wish they did things way more old I school feel like some of those as things. as old as this system feels, they should be required. Maybe we let them ride like a coal-fired train engine, mm-hmm. but nothing more technologically advanced right. than that. And you have to dress if, the part. If we're going to have a system that seems this old, you get mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. The I'm down top, with that. Top hats. I need the... the beards. Yeah. We gotta have beards. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're losing your hair, you need to switch to a white wig. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've got to really do this old school. And we need to kick out all the women. Women, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies, because um, they don't count as people yet. Yeah, I'm sorry. And you get to smoke. You get to smoke there. You right. smoke your pops in the in the house. Mm-hmm. When you're doing so it. our next important date is January sixth, when the vice president will preside over a joint session of Congress uh-huh. to finalize the count. Mr. Pence. Now, this is where things can get a little crazy because one representative and one senator can object mm-hmm. to a state's, a, uh, a state's vote, those votes being certified. We've got a crazy congressman ready to go. We here in Alabama do have a man who has said that he is going to object, I, I believe, to multiple states. I don't think it even has to be your own He's just going to object to multiple states that there was all sorts of election tampering and things like that. And he says he has a senator who'll go along with it. So uh, I don't think he's named him. Who's the senator? I don't think he's named him. Prove yet. it. So here's here's what would happen on January 6th. So let's pause for a minute and realize we've gone through an election. Mm-hmm. We've appointed electors. Mm-hmm. We've met at an electoral college. Mm-hmm. We've certified things. Mm-hmm. Here we are before Congress. Really all they got to do is just like announce the vote and rubber stamp it. But at this late date, someone can object. And then we have a joint session. They then both break off the two houses mm-hmm. and they have their individual sessions. Mm-hmm. Both houses have to agree to uh, basically hear that objection or sustain that objection for it to go anywhere. Oh, so the House objection won't be sustained then. Right. Okay. That's why you're going to see some headlines. You're already maybe seeing some headlines about how Congress is going to overturn the election and stuff like that. It cannot happen unless objections are made and both the House and the Senate agree to hear these objections and potentially throw out these votes. What is Mo angling for here? Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to him lately, so I'm not sure. Could you reach out? Um, Let's get him Now, on. to be fair, this did happen in 2005. Two Democrats objected 
to the election totals in Hawaii, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then that objection, the House has refused to hear it. So it has been done, and I believe that's maybe like the second time in history, or maybe maybe that was the first time ever in history that was done, and this would be the second if Mo Brooks goes through with his plan. I mean, they're just it po- is rare, posturing though. moves. Is yes, it is are. rare that a representative would take that step and and object, but it has happened at least in the uh, in 2005 when they met in 2005 the um, the John Kerry um, yep. election. Yep. Um, so not unheard of, still rare, but all that to say the electoral college is a really crazy system. It's weird. There's a lot of deadlines. There's a lot of rules and this person. Oh, and then the icing on the cake is at the end of all this, it is the vice president as president of the Senate who will officially sign off on these election results. So Mike uh, Pence will, will be in that position at the end of the day. Assuming that all goes exactly as expected, and we do have an official president-elect Joe Biden on that date, so, and then you have the inauguration right around the corner. So, yeah, just a little dive into what's going to happen in the next few Such weeks with the electoral system. college. It's almost it like we could odd. all gather, um, you know, registered voter American citizens on a day. I don't know. Let's just call it first Tuesday, of November, and they could all pick one of them. And then we'd be like, okay, this one got the most votes. They won. Mm-hmm. Because really in this system, uh, Biden's it looks like roughly a 7 million vote count win. Mm-hmm. Pretty significant. That's a lot right. more A lot more voting Americans chose him, even though Trump had an unbelievable mm-hmm. showing. I mean, he had plenty of votes, but he lost by 7 million. Right. But officially, like because of the Electoral College, he really only lost by like 42,000 votes. Mm-hmm. Maybe on a future civic lesson, we could look into the different alternatives. Because, you know, there's several alternatives floating around out there about what would happen, what system should take the place of the Electoral College. Well, it's not, and it's not something that's going to change and because no. it's a hyper-partisan uh, situation. So we talk about in my lifetime, uh, from, from 87 up, I would have had the, what, 88, 92, 96, 2000, all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, H.W. Bush won the popular vote in 88. Mm-hmm. And George W. Bush won the popular vote in 2004. Mm-hmm. In all the other elections, even ones where Republicans won, they didn't win the popular vote. Mm-hmm. So in my lifetime, how many elections is that? <laughs> He's doing a literal finger count for those who elections? obviously can't see. <laughs> yeah. So in eight elections, they've only won two popular votes. Mm-hmm. Why would they change it? Because they've actually right. won four of those elections. Right. So I mean, the Republicans and it's are all not ba- play it's ball all based that. on you know certain states will have an outlandish. I hate that they couldn't see my finger math. You know, I did. Yeah, an outlandish. It was um, good. Outsized It was good finger there. math for those of you at, at mm-hmm. home. Right. I didn't even have to bust my toes out. Yeah. Not that old yet. Um. So yes, that's for those who have questions about the electoral college. I'm not going to get into the true deep dive, but I'm I was trying to specifically focus on these important dates that are coming up because you're going to hear about the electoral college a lot in the next few weeks because there's several things that have to happen. Well, it's just weird. and in normal election years, nobody gives a crap about no, any of those things. No, no. But this year, this year, it seems like at every step of the well, process, you've never had a you've never had a sitting you know, president decry fraud without evidence um, and literally say I'm not even going to attend the inauguration. The main point of that is if That's you see thing. that Congress is going to overturn the election results, understand that that is a very difficult, right. nay, not an easy. Pr- 
almost impossible process or impossible likelihood that that's going to happen. There can be puffery, there can be grandstanding, there can be all of that. There can almost certainly not be an instance where Congress actually overturns the election. So there you have it. Then finally, we'll move on to our... um, just a person you should know. We mentioned this last time. Talk that, to me. Um, so many people, you know, they get their own share of the headlines. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know the president. You know mm-hmm. the vice president. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know your governor. You probably don't know who your senators are. You don't know. I do though. Right. You just you don't know a lot of things. Now this one is not political per se, although it will be. It will be considered so. Uh, Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. You're aware they do a person of the year. Uh, Have done year. so for over 90-something years. 92 years. Mm-hmm. This year, they announced they're going to do a kid of the year. Okay. little background on that. Last year, the youngest person to win person of the year was Miss uh, Greta, Greta Thunberg. Thunberg, Thunberg, Thunberg I believe, is the proper uh, From Sweden, the yep. climate change activist. She mm-hmm. was uh, 16 at the time. So that gave them the idea to specifically do something on Yeah, that makes kids. sense. So, it's, not, it's not Ryan from YouTube, is it? It's not, no. Whew, thank no. goodness. Uh, it's a 15-year-old from Colorado. Yeah. Young lady. Um, lady. I'm going to mess up this name, but I'm from Alabama, so she'll understand. Uh Gitanjali Rao. What a name. Starts with a G. Gitanjali Rao. What part of Colorado is she in? Uh, I don't remember. I'm going to do research the on it. The suburb. Um, so at 12, this is going to make us feel really great. Oh, no. So at 12, uh, she developed a device to detect lead in water. This was around the time of the Flint, Michigan crisis. At 12. At 12. What type of equipment did she have? Like, in uh, Well, so she had ideas and she's done, you know, uh, like models and things like that. And I think she's still working with some legit companies to make it a thing that exists in the world. I'm assuming there's not like a Barbie house in her bedroom. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, she also has a device that can potentially diagnose a prescription opioid abuse in its early stages. Who is this kid? And she's developed an app using artificial intelligence to prevent cyberbullying. So basically you have this app on your phone and something you're about to post on social media or text or whatever um, will tell you, like flag it and say, this is potentially cyberbullying. Really just to give you as the individual a chance to second guess Am uh, I being a good human being right now? The answer is usually no. So folks. those are all things that, that Miss Rao has done at the ripe old age, which I looked her uh, some of the stuff up on Wikipedia, and so I loved clicking on the little link that says early life, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, so she's, she's in the early life. 15. <laughs> she's 15. Um, she's on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. I think I she made imagine. that last year. Uh, and My in Lord. 2018, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, they must give out this Presidential Environmental Youth Award. Uh, she won that in 2018. This young lady. Uh, now, there were actually, I believe, five other people um, in addition to her who kind of made the, the final cut. She was the official kid of the year, you know, gets the time right. cover and that kind of a thing. Good for her. Um, was interviewed by Angelina Jolie. Um, for Time Magazine, I believe the official interview was. That's a strange interviewer. Angelina Jolie. Well, she... She's an odd duck. She is active in... Give me Dolly Parton. Can Dolly Parton come interview her? Yeah, can Dolly come interview her? 
Come on, yes. Tom. Uh, that be. would be fun. I've never seen Dolly interview anybody. I wonder what that would be like. She don't want to do it. She'd that. probably rock it. Um, but yes, rock anything she ever Inter- wanted to interviewed do. by Angelina Jolie for for time, um, and it's very interesting. She mentioned. You know, when you think of scientists, you probably didn't think of a 15-year-old. You probably certainly didn't think of a 15-year-old young lady. So she talked a little bit about that in the interview about how important it is, you know, for there to be role models. That's and, fascinating. You know, the somewhat cliched, but she used the line, you know, if I can do this, like anybody can do this. Right. And it's just because she specifically said focused on a problem she felt like she could do something about. Mm-hmm. So she didn't try to do something about... Well, apparently three problems that she thought she could do something mm-hmm. about. Right. So she didn't try to do something about pollution, let's say, or something like that. She specifically tackled the cyberbullying, the lead, lead in the water. water, and things like that. So um, I encourage you to look her up, to pick up the issue her. of time. Um, mm-hmm. it's someday. Yeah. <laughs> time Magazine isn't what it used to be. Time, you got a, they got a digital one, though? Um... Possibly. I might do that. Um, I've never been a like full time reader of Me Time Magazine. I, had a, uh, I feel like the covers eclipse the actual really um, content Somebody of the got magazine. Me a subscription in high school for like a year or something like that, and it mm-hmm. just it never grabbed me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Like glossing the stories did the mm-hmm. cover and what that story was, but right. the, the entire thing it just never yeah. grabbed me. Yeah. Oh. Used to be a big deal, not so much in our generation, but well, they didn't uh, keep up with the digital time. Like, but, uh, like a New York Times did. They're mm-hmm. they're unbelievable. Uh, they have a digital presence that is unrivaled. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom didn't really kind of. Yeah. I don't think put the. So uh, look into her. She's just someone that I feel like we may need to know a little bit more about in I'm the gonna, coming years. You're probably gonna keep hearing about her. I would mm-hmm. imagine. So next week, uh, I didn't deliver on my Supreme Court. Uh, hopefully next week, maybe I'll have some uh, some. Dipping into the Supreme Court, uh, Mr. Alito's name keeps popping up in the headlines. I don't know yeah, if you know that, yeah, but no, um, he's he's um, been in a lot of things lately. So we'll find out what's going on with him, uh, the glorious ACB, what she's gotten herself into since joining the bench. So I'm curious about her because you look at the other two Trump appointments that uh, I don't think Gorsuch had as much fanfare as Kavanaugh, um, but they both to me from the outside looking in just settled in as justices you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they just kind of clock into work and do mm-hmm. what they're there to do and they're right. not really hot button at all mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if she has the same path if she just is like you know what i'm here probably whatever politics got me here i'm not really worried about it anymore because you just gave me a lifetime appointment and mm-hmm. i'm gonna show up to work so yep. uh, i'm feeling like she's i think that's it i think it. she's cast some important votes but yeah. i don't think she's cast them from the standpoint of i intend to become to be you know historically um you know famous for this vote that's it's right. just right. you know the work of the court so yeah. uh, that's what i'll look into i'm sure some other things will happen in terms of the election georgia has become the center of the universe so we'll give you the latest mm. on what's going on in you georgia you had a chance to do like a georgia's on my mind or something like that you could mm-hmm. you could play with those words a little mm-hmm. bit you missed your opportunity yeah well but George is a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think if we're talking about the trajectory for the next two years until there's a midterm election, um, this is big. Uh, mm-hmm. you, this is the difference in Democrats and, and President-elect Biden really getting to push their policy and their agenda mm-hmm. or just meeting the death of Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. contrarian, you're not doing anything. Right. So we'll see what happens in Georgia and whatever else happens in the week ahead. Andrew so. Yang's in Georgia. Andrew with Yang's in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to be the conversation today, Jennifer. Mm. Well, good stuff. Thank you for this. I live to bring interesting topics to the table. So, 
We will be back next week with more interesting topics. See you guys. Left on Red is a DME Media Production. Copyright 2020, Daily Mountain Eagle.